prepared, the bulls and fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn the town. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I invited are the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see in the banquet hall. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. The guest, he was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, Find his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the reading of God's word. Good morning. You may be seated. Old one to church. Good morning. It's fifth Sunday worship. That means uh, I'm t- it's normal, right, to hear that is to speak short. But also, I want to, you to know that uh, it's normal, right, to hear the babies crying, the rustling of the packages being opened. I mean, if we think about what it means to, have you ever been to, like, a family gathering? If it's that quiet, that means we just have one, you know, just it's all the adults are there, right? But typically, when we go to family gathering, there's, like, kids all around. I've never been to one family gathering where it was that quiet. So if you hear any sound during worship, it's normal. If your parents have kids here, praise God for you, for your faithfulness, your persistence, your patience. Sound uh, it probably impacts you more than anybody else. So please know it's normal to hear those. Wow, we do this. That's what it means to be a family, and I'll do my best to keep it short too. Amen. Glad you could join us. We can. Amen. That means I could talk long. Anyway, um, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. We're 22. Our sermon series called Summer of Parables, and today we're Matthew chapter 22. One of the most exclusive members-only clubs in the world is known as R360 Club. You probably never heard of it. I didn't know either until I researched it. It is a networking organization for the rich and the famous. The invite, the people who are invited, find sense of purpose build their legacy along with their families, engage with clubs, six forms of the capital. They say financial, intellectual, social, human, emotional, and um, thousand, 1,000 members only. Thousand of the lucky people, they get to start their exclusive gathering. Do you know how you get in? Well, just having a net worth of $100 million, I believe none of us apply here. So, that you align with the club, be considered not even to be included. And you have to prove yourself that you align with the club's core values of their, the spirit and what it means to belong to this group. And we all know what it means to belong. Um, we don't know. <laughs> we know that when you belong to some groups like that, there are values that people want you to live by. Now, just imagine that you and your family is invited to this annual gathering. Not just as an honorable guest, but as a full benefit member for the lifetime. That you get to be in it, enjoy all the benefits, all the fame that comes with it, and you get to be part of that. 
Well, that wedding party, the concept of what this parable is talking about, of king's invitation to a nation to say, the grand banquet. We often think this story is a faraway distance. That's why I'm using this illustration. The one that organized is in a gathering like that, where you are invited merely because the king, the one that organizes, simply says, come and join. And this is the invitation that Jesus is giving in this parable. The grace as defined as undeserved favor act will love. This grace is evident in how this wedding planner, the king, invites the invitees to come and participate in it. And he wants those who are invited to receive the God to this invitation, the act of grace of the wedding planner and the act that was provided for the invitees is at the heart of this parable. Planners, great. Let's dive into this parable, shall we? Two quick points today. We see wedding, wedding plans as well as the grace available to the wedding invitees. C is the wedding grace and wedding invitees grace as well. First thing we see is the wedding planners grace. Every Saturday is a birthday party weekend. Oftentimes people would ask, how is your Saturday like? What do you do on Saturdays? And I tell them, I go to birthday parties. Every single Saturday, it seems like. We're in a life stage of birthday parties where the jumping happens, where lots of chatter about Minecraft happens, superheroes and Pokemon happens all the time, and not to mention your favorite diet, pizza, pizza abounds all the more. One birthday party I went to, I went to pizza for lunch, chill, all from the birthday parties. But I still remember this one particular birthday party I went birthday party. My mind, because it was so special. Our first Chuck E. Cheese been there. I know some of you are like, its participation, participant was given an entry. When you walk in, if you've ever been there, I know some of you are like, oh, no, 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 you remember it, right? They put that stamp on your hand, invisible ink, only by the black light could see it. You're given this entry, and not only so, this, wedding, uh, this um, birthday planner gave 500 tokens for each kid to play in it. The best part of all this wedding party was a chance to meet this rat. I mean, a Chucky who comes out in a costume and says, hello, it's great rat. Anyway, Chucky that comes out and says hello, and the eyes, the joy of each participant in this birthday party as if they've never seen this character before in their life. Because you know, they show this movie of Chucky saying hi, and all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere. And all oh, the kids are just going crazy. The joy of being in it, being part of it. The joy. You could th- almost think like this is heaven on earth for them. It may be all that at the hands of this gracious, generous event planner. Well, Jesus tells us that in the parable today, the wedding planner, the king, provides abundant grace of invitation to his son's grand wedding. Matthew 22 says, Jesus also told them other parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited. But what happens? They all refused to come. The key point of that is they all refused to come. Now, I get that the king had every right to be furious, right? It's the king after all. And the people that were already invited did not want to come. So what does he do? He actually sends out his messengers again to tell them, hey, 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 I don't know if you got this or not, but let me just tell you, it's not just the grand banquet, but let me tell you all the food that's going to be there. 
all the joy you're going to experience. That's what he does. In verse 4, so he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared, the bulls and the fattened cattle has been killed, everything is ready. You don't have to do anything. Just simply come to the banquet. But what, does ha- what happens? Verse 5, the guests he had invited ignored them, went on their own way, went to his farm, went to his business, and even worse, others seized his messengers, insulted them, and killed them. Don't miss that verse 6. It's not just simple refusal to come, but he sees the messenger and insults them and kills them. In other parallel texts in Luke chapter 14, we see all these different excuses for the sake of time. I'm not going to go into that, but just simply those are excuses people don't want to attend. So the king gets furious, and perhaps you could sympathize with that now too, because the king, it's not that he did not offer, he tried his best. He not only sends the messengers to say, come, please come, but also says, hey, I have all this ready for you, please come. But those who reject, not only rejects them, but even kills the messengers. So what, who does this parable refer to? Who are those invitees who reject, who even put uh, the messenger to death? Well, this is the third parable of the three. We didn't cover the first two in Matthew chapter 21 that deals with Jewish teachers and Pharisees in the nation of Israel that rejects Christ, the, the, the messenger of God, the, the Son of God who comes in the wedding banquet is God's Son, Christ. And those who reject them are the first, the Jews and the Pharisees who reject the Savior that comes from his own people, the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. And the Pharisees, the leaders who should have known that here Jesus, the promised Messiah, is here, are the ones that reject Christ. And the warning is the king is not happy about this. But the warning isn't just for those who rejected grace in the first century Jews, but also for those who hear the gospel news today. This is God's warning to tell us again, do not harden your heart and reject the free offer of grace of God. This is the God of the universe, the maker of heavens and earth, is grace, the invitation to come to God's kingdom. And we see further glimpse of this grace in the second part of the invitation, don't we? Verse 7 says, the king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. Some people say it's a a foreshadowing of the Jerusalem that burns. Verse 8, he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and the guests I have invited aren't worthy of the honor. So now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. And here we find the king's invitation for all to come. Another grace we see in that. And what's the requirement for this king's invitation? Just come. Simply come. They're out in the street corners more clearly at the intersection of those two streets. So the messengers go down and looks for just anybody to come. Every a place where regular everyday Joes will dwell is a place where they go and they gather people, good and bad alike, are invited to come. And here again, we find the grace of the wedding planner here. The invitation of the wedding banquet doesn't have any prior requirements. It is an invitation based solely upon the king's invitation. And this is God's grace for all, isn't it? God invites you and I to come freely to God's banquet today. 
without any precondition. And here is what the theologians call unconditional grace. Simply that. There are no preconditions that you could ever measure up to that qualifies you to receive this grace of God. The church, if you are here this morning at an invitation of your neighbor, visiting a family who makes you go to their church, if you're a teenager that got dragged here, perhaps, or even your conscience that brought you here today, what Jesus is telling us is that that's not a mere accident. That's not even just your parents forcing you, or it's not even just your conscience winning out, guilting you into coming to this. It's not all that only. It's not a nice gesture of your neighbor or family member. It is God's divine orchestrated act of grace. The invitation is not from me. It's not from Christ-centric church. It's not even just your own conscience and your will only. The king of the universe, your creator and the maker is at work in setting up this divine moment with you. The king, the heaven, the maker of heaven and earth reminds us on the day of Sabbath, he comes to me with us. It's an invitation from God's grace to be here. And if you receive that grace, and here is a reminder yet again that you are here by God's grace and grace alone. Oh, how often we forget and live like we're strangers or people that need to do things to make it happen. I often teach my son, when you go to someone else's house, you ask for things. You don't simply walk up to the pantry and grab water or food. You have to ask, may I have some water? May I have some snack? That's the proper way we teach them. But you know what kind of question that he asked me when he's home? He never asked, may I have some water? May I have some snacks? You know what he simply says? Can you bring it to me? Right? <laughs> it's like he, the question he asked is completely different. Oftentimes, church, I feel like if you have received this grace, we act like a guest and said, okay, may I have this? Or do I have to do this in order to get it? But simply, if you're a child of God, God says you could ask, can you bring it? Can you meet with me? Because you are a child of God. And that's the grace that is emphasized here because our Heavenly Father is our Daddy. Simply come and receive wedding planner's grace at His banqueting table. Second thing we see is not only the wedding planner's grace, but the wedding invitee's grace as well. The wedding invitee's grace. This summer, as you know, we have started our um, summer Bible study. And one of the things that we've seen and we see the joys of it is our children's ministry, children playing out in the playground together. And it's a fun time. I know that Carol sends out emails. Owen Shepherd Carol sends emails about it. I have a chance to play Gaga Ball. I found out what Gaga Ball was for the first, first time. Um, you play in the, the swing area, there's bubble area, basketball, all that stuff. You play and the kids love it. But you know there's one requirement for you to be playing in that? Not only do you have to be a kid. But you could also participate if you're an adult, too. You could play with them. But one requirement I saw was that you have to put a tag on it, right? We want you to come in and write uh, write your name on it so that you know it's your child, and you have to have a tag with your name on it. And that, after you get the tag, you're free to go play. It's a tag to remember who you are, but tag to also know that you are a parent and a child of a parent to be able to be here. That is all that is required to play. That's grace you receive for a free playtime. And that's what we see 
and the wedding invitee's grace that offers to them. In verse 11, it says, When the king came to meet the guests, he noticed a man wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. He said, Friend, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? And the man had no reply. And the king said to his aides, Bind his hands, feet, and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that by this time, you may be wondering, that's, that's a little confusing, isn't it? Like, why does he get mad? Like, didn't, wasn't he the one that invited this guy? Like, so now after you invite the guy, you look at his clothes, I'm like, what the, what's going on here? And he kicks him out. It sounds like someone that's going on a power trip in, right? How does he determine this? How can you expect this level of clothing if you just invited random people up the streets? And sometimes I think we think similarly about God's grace, don't we? Well, if you accept me as who I am, an invitation says, come as you are. But why all of a sudden you have all these rules that you tell me I have to live by? Right? If I'm accepted as who I am, why isn't church accepting of all things? And have all these rules the Bible tells me to live by. It doesn't sound like it's free. It sounds like a trap to get me in the door. And now I have all these things I have to do in order to live up to what I'm supposed to be. Well, let's unpack that, shall we? First, the garment. Theologians, the historians who study the tradition and the custom of the time of this parable write that when you're invited to this grand royal weddings like this, the king in this case will actually provide a royal garment for you. I know it's, um, it's an old movie, but have you seen um, uh, The Pretty Woman, right? Like when the, the woman is invited to, uh, I think Richard Gere was the guy's name, right? The, the person's thing, he goes shopping, and there's the whole the song about pretty woman walking down. Okay, you guys don't remember. <laughs> anyway, but he provides the garments that are fitted for this banquet, and just like that here, he says, uh, theologians and the historians said, the king most likely at the entrance Whoever is walking would provide the royal garments. You simply had to put them on, accept the piece of garment and wear it. And they are often provided knowing that you cannot dress according to the rules of the banquet. All you have to do is put it on. In addition, you notice the king doesn't chide them for acting out, failing to use the utensils the right way or acting in a different way, or dancing properly. He simply asked, where is the wedding garment, wedding clothes that you're provided? Again, what this highlights isn't how the wedding garment is worn, but the rejection of the wedding garment that was provided for them. In other words, the garments that was carefully, lovingly prepared was deemed unnecessarily by the invitee, the guest. Grace that was provided for the wedding invitee to be worthy of getting in the wedding was rejected by these guys, and they're just looking for merely benefits. Many commentators highlight the garment to what they call the imputed righteousness of Christ. Another way to say this represents Jesus' perfect life, perfect obedience, his life that is freely given to us that you simply need to receive. Another theologian refers to this as John in Revelation talking about the right robe of righteousness that is given to those who are counted in God's kingdom doesn't come from you, but comes from God. That's the invitee's grace that God provides. This illustration talks about, again, what this highlights is that the grace of God invites you to come freely as who you are. But the life in Christ will cost you everything. Why? Because you now have a chance to reject 
your old way of life that does not measure up to God's kingdom, and you'll be renewed as worthy, grace to be worthy simply by receiving God's unconditional grace. And that's the requirement. Simply put on the garment. Why? Again, because it's not up to you. Just imagine if the right clothing for the wedding is up to you. Right? We would then all have kind of different standards. We know this. We would start grading one another based upon what's, who's wearing what. We see this at the movie um, openings or Oscars or Grammy red carpet. Right? Someone comes on to her and says, oh, that's the, the Versace gown, but it doesn't look good on her. That's B- minus for her. Oh, look at this person. It's elegant, A+. Plus. And another website would say, whoa, that's actually F. This person who's like wearing some kind of you know, box shape is A plus, fashion trend center. All depending on people's perspective. Standards out there is what we will live by if it's all up to us. Those who get to decide who's fitting in or not, who gets A and F, is up to us. But the grace of God in this case, the invitee's grace is this. You are absolutely freed from needing to be measured by other standards, but simply living under God's standard. And his standard says, all you have to be is who you are meant to be by God's grace. The creator who knows you inside out, creator who created you to be the worshiper, creator who, became, who made you in his image. Thus, this is true freedom the Bible talks about being free to having to live under others' image and the standards, the body shapes and all this stuff, to be free to live according to how God created you, embraced and fully loved in it. That is grace of God, living for God's eyes alone. That's the invitation. That's the grace provided to the wedding invitees, church. The question today for us is, are you living in light of that freedom? We live in bondage of the image the world projects to us. We live in bondage to the cultural norms. Are you, as those who follow Christ, live in this freedom to be loved by God and being able to love others as a result of that? Or are you living in fear of not living up to the standards of the world today? Catch me if you can, another old movie, follows a real-life story of Frank William Avignale Jr. Uh, you, you could tell it's an old movie because if you look at it, uh, you watch it, you realize Leonardo DiCaprio is really young in it, right? That's why you were like, wow, he's so young. Must be an old movie, but this movie follows a real-life story of William, uh, Frank William Avignale Jr. Frank ran away in the age of 16 with mere $25 to his name, gifted to him by his father. After depleting his money between the ages of 17 and 20, Frank Jr. forges his way into several well-paid careers, using what he learned from the senior having nails exploits, as well as anything he could pull from the movies and television shows, you could tell he's a smart, wise guy, famously faking his way into emergency pediatrician, a lawyer, and an airline pilot. Frank does this while constantly touching base with his father with the hopes of resolving family's financial woes, that will unite his parents. Although, as you watch the movie, you are mesmerized by how Frank successfully dupes even the smartest people to get what he wants. 
there is punishment for his actions. He's constantly running away from FBI, which eventually ends up with him being in prison. His parents never get back together, and his father dies tragically. As we're amazed by the character's ability to fake his way towards acceptance in the most exclusive of professions and places, we also see his longing not to be fake. Longing to be just accepted as who he is. He's a fraud, and he feels it. He knows it. This one scene in the movie where he says, I do not want to lie anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. As I was watching this, I realized I struggle with that. Do you feel that, church? As you sit here, as you live your life, do you feel like a fraud? That once someone finds out who you really are, they will really get to know the true you. And you fear that you will not be accepted and loved. Isn't that why we hide behind our images, our popularity, our money, even good things like our family, vacations, gifts? Not by how I'm supposed to look or what is acceptable in the eyes of the others. My own image that we project. This is the grace of God that he invites us to in the wedding banquet. Be accepted as who you are and who you're meant to be. God's grace in all this as well as the grace of a planner and of invitees, is that he invites us to be loved as you are, and his grace is sufficient for you to cover even when you're weak. And just as at the Garden of Eden before sin enters, you are free to enter in the relationship with them, and all he wants for you is to accept the gown and put it on, and to live according to his free grace, not on your own, because no matter how good you think they are, we all know they fail. Only by God's grace you get to live as you're meant to be. Church, that's the grace of God. That's who we are called to be. Let's pray for that, shall we? Let's pray. Father, that's our prayer as we come into the Lord's Supper, that we want that kind of freedom to reign supreme in our lives, not the images we often chase after, not... Um, the images of others that we are portrayed by, but we want to be accepted as who we are. But also, we want to be people that receive God's grace and live according to the way that we were created to be. We thank you for the wedding planner's grace, but we also thank you for the grace that's available for us today to receive that grace, to be freed in that grace, to live according to what God, you command us. We find that to be a true freedom. Pray that, Lord, you'll free us even today as you come to the Lord's table. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.